Welcome to the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. Last year in the Volta, we saw Zwift Academy winner Jay Vine come close to a stage win, and this year another Zwift Academy winner, Neve Bradbury, performed brilliantly at the Giro d'Ona, finishing 12th overall. Well, it's all about to kick off again. Registrations are open, and the Zwift Academy starts on the 12th of September. Importantly, it's not just about elite riders chasing a pro contract. Anyone can take part. The Zwift Academy, it features six structured workouts over four weeks. And after you've graduated, Zwift will share workout and training recommendations based on your results. It's a great way to find your strength and go further. So if you want to dive in and start riding with a free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com. Now here's Christoph and Maka with the SBS Volta Espana Zwift podcast. Bonjour, 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 and buenos dias, and uh, welcome to uh, our episode four of the uh, Vuelta podcast. Uh, joining me today, it's Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Oh, mate, I'm very good. I'm chilled, relaxed. You know, we've, we've got the first three Dutch stages out of the way. Now we're back into Spain. Bring on the paella, bring on the sangria, and whatever else Spain wants to throw at me. Uh, maybe some manchego cheese. Uh, oh, now you're talking. That. So, yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm. I'm uh, I think we've had a pretty good start, haven't we? Looking forward to uh, what Spain and what the northern part of Spain has to offer us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad. I'm sure you're glad you you've noticed I'm wearing the polo shirt. I haven't thrown them out. Or can't I believe you can didn't get do some a ritual burning of those things. Uh, you still. I still have three weeks to go. I still have. Is it walking itself to the washing machine? That's because mine have started to do that. <laughs> I, I have got a good map now of the washing machine in Spain for next year if we need this, Maka. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, joining us today as well is our good friend Pat Shaw. How are you, Pat? Yeah, great, uh, Christoph. And uh, although it's a lot colder here in Ballarat, it's um, certainly great to join you guys. Um, after a bit of a, a break, um, you guys had amazing coverage of the Tour de France, and uh, now we're on to the Vuelta España. Oh, yeah, that's, that's why we bring you in, Shory. We just bring you in on the low-key cruisy tours, mate. This is the style we like here, <laughs> and it's only people like you that understand the style, and that's why we, we roll out the red carpet. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I got nice, uh, nice jersey at the back as well, uh, Pat. Yeah, that's my little um, bike exchange uh, gift to myself this year. Obviously, onto the giant bikes, which is fantastic from a stores perspective. But um, actually, I, I, I bid it on that at a Ronald McDonald House charities event, and I was lucky to be the highest bidder. So I'm probably going to pull it out of the glass in January and get a few more signatures on it. <laughs> yeah, I would not blame you. Absolutely. Uh, before we talk about what you've been up to, uh, Pat, because there's some very interesting uh, venture that you, uh, you're here to talk uh, about with us. Uh, let's talk about the, the racing so far and what's ahead of us as well in this week. Uh, Maka, what do you make of those three days in, uh, in the Netherlands? And of course, we have one name on our lips. It's Sam Bennett. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, it's a couple of names, isn't it? There's, there's him and then there's the Jumbo Visma team because that's, that's who dominated on Dutch soil. So for Jumbo Visma, brilliant being a Dutch team. And for Sam Bennett, so happy. I've said it already. I think we've all agreed. So happy to see him back in the winner's circle. As much as we want to see an Aussie get a victory, 
uh, Caden Groves is sort of hunting around somewhere around that mark, but his his day will come, I'm sure of that. But for Sam Bennett, two from two, um, so very good for him. And look, I think it's it was always going to be a success. Not all the riders have been happy though. Uh, Alejandro Valverde saying it's it's been a bit too hectic, a bit too dangerous. He said they went through the same town about seven times, apparently, on one of the stages. But that's Dutch racing, isn't it? We know that. Um, but all in all, I think it's been a huge success. And the Dutch, the Dutch know how to put on a you know they know, they know how to put on a Grand Tour start. We know that this is the fourth or fifth or sixth time yeah. they've done it. Not just the Vuelta, they've done the Giro, they've done the Tour. So pretty slick, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And Pat, what's your what's your reading on the first three days and, and what's ahead of us? Well, I guess it's a difficult one, isn't it, for the sprinters, knowing that these are two of only three opportunities, really, for pure sprint stages. But uh, Bennett's been a class above. Mads Peterson, thereabouts, and I think he's sort of probably a little bit disappointed because he probably is closer than what it looks um, to many people at home. But Bennett has been um, a level above. He's thanked... Uh, Bora for having the um, vision and also the belief in him to put him back to the team. Um, but look, yesterday or last night's uh, victory for us uh, in Australia and uh, was a phenomenal ride. Um, and I think he was probably more classy in stage three than he was stage two. So uh, interesting to see how the rest of the Vuelta um, goes ahead for him. But now we turn our eyes to Jai Hindley, obviously, from an Australian perspective uh, via the Bora Hansgrohe team um, and, and start to look at how this race starts to shape for, you know, the GC contenders, which Primoz Roglic, after the uh, team control, wow, he is looking so phenomenally fit. So just to conclude on, on the Sam Bennett bandwagon, let's listen to uh, uh, his interview after the win. Uh, there's a couple of elements I'd like to discuss after this. It's the way you wanted to win, you, the lead out you wanted. Yeah, um, it was quite hard because I think a lot of people were fighting for our wheel. And... Uh, I think it's just a natural flow that people start to kind of go up beside me and squeeze me off. So I had uh, a few tough moments just to hold my my man's wheel, uh, my wheel, so like Danny's wheel. So it's quite a hard fight, and uh, yeah, the the boys again. What can I say? You know, like John is riding all day. Like big thank you for the commitment. The boys then looking after me in the bunch all day, getting me bottles when it was hard. Like today was. It wasn't like a hard, like, watch-wise, but it was a lot of accelerations out of corners all the day and really nervous day. Um, but yeah, the, again, the job they did in the final, uh, Jonas, even though he was riding all day, came back and did another big turn. Ryan kept us up there, taking so much wind, and then Danny, it was a, it was a masterclass. Was it important to confirm your victory straight away? I think so, but you know, for it to happen two days in a row is it's quite nice. Um, yeah, like uh, this is confidence boosting for sure. Uh, confidence boosting, uh, it is. And the uh, reason why I'm replaying this, if you watched uh, the race day ride yesterday, we, we played it as well and we talked about it with, uh, with Kino. But uh, uh, guys, I'd like to just have your opinion on this. Kino made a very good point, I thought, uh, yesterday in the podcast saying, 
what's good with Sam Bennett is there's no arrogance. He's back it up, back to back. There's no, I'm back here. There's no big sign when he wins. He's goes in confident, he wins, and then he wins again. Uh, that really translates who he actually really is, Pat. Well, it certainly translates to who he is now. And I think that's mm. probably more important. He's had a reality check where he was on top. And then, as we always say in sport, be nice to all the people on the way up because you see them all on the way back down. Um, and you know what? It maybe maybe it gives him maybe it gives him a, a better ability to race. But I think it it speaks in volumes. Misses out on the Tour de France, comes to Vuelta. His team backs him in. He nails it, gets two victories. It's a really good moment for a rider that could have easily just slipped through the cracks and said it's all too hard. So um, I think he'd be in the back doors. He'd be sitting there thinking yeah to all the naysayers i've proved you wrong but i think he's also extremely proud and thankful for the support of his teammates yeah absolutely and then maca when we we talked about bora and of course we have a vested interest in a, in this team because boy it's not australian of course but they've got our very own jai hinley we've got big hopes uh, for jai but this has to be a boost of confidence for the whole team not just for sam bennett and his lead our train yeah, you're spot on. And we, we've talked about it before, haven't we, with other teams. And, um, you know, Jai's not a sprinter. He's not there to sprint. He's not there to do a lead out. But it gives him morale. It, you know, when you're sitting around the dinner table at night and you've got two stage wins, the, the pressure valve is released for that team no matter what. Sure, they're, they're hoping Jai can double up and win his second grand tour of the year. But if he doesn't, let's face it, it doesn't really matter. They've got two stage wins, um, you know. Look at Bike Exchange, Jaco, at the Tour de France. Two stage wins, successful tour. But it took them, it took them, you know, two-thirds of the Tour de France to get that. And that was good. That was great. Bora have done it in three days. In three days, they've nailed two stages. So the pressure valve is completely released. And Sam Bennett, I mean, he's the sort of guy, wouldn't you just love to go to an Irish pub with him? He, he just comes across that way. <laughs> Just hang out at the Irish pub with Sam Bennett, have a couple of pints, maybe a schnitzel or whatever it is you have, uh, Irish food. Bang bangers and mash, I think. Bangers and mash. Gee, yeah. I reckon he'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> I agree. Let's listen to uh, Jai Hindley as well because uh, he's still very laid back, but I think if we listen exactly what he says, he's quite eager to, to start this week in Spain. Jai, wow. Two in a row, mate. Yeah, yeah. Pretty uh, phenomenal by Sam and the boys. Like, yeah. I'm really happy for him, you know, I mean, yeah, he's one of the world's best sprinters and, uh, yeah, he's coming back from a bit of a rough match, but what can you say, like, he's uh, showed his class today again, so, yeah, like I said, just so happy for him and uh, really happy for the team as well. So, what about yourself? How did you feel today? Oh, yeah, not too shabby, like, uh, it's a pretty fast stage, actually, I think we averaged, like, 47, so we were hauling. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it was stressful in parts and then settled down quite a bit and then stressful again at the finish, but yeah, boys did a really good job keeping, keeping me safe, keeping Sam safe and, uh, and then yeah, picked up another stage, so it can't be bad, eh? Bit of a break now and then into the real stuff in Spain. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting to Spain and, and uh, yeah, at the same time it's been been really nice here, you know, like uh, Holland's really put it on, put it on for us and yeah, it's been awesome. The atmosphere's been uh, awesome and yeah, 
Looking forward to getting this fine though. Thanks, Joe. Good luck on the next couple of days, man. Cheers, guys. Thanks. I think uh, he said it a couple of times, but uh, he's really, really, really looking forward to, to go to Spain. Michael. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's um, look, I'll say what I said the other night, Pat. I'm, you, you know Jai Henley. We've all got to know him a bit more too over the years. He, he's just a gem. I, I love his attitude. He's laid back, but, hey, he is on the bike. He's brutal and uh, he'll take no prisoners. So he proved that at the Giro. And already he's just... You know, he's, it's like he's just taken off from that, that final stage in the Giro when he, when he won the Maglia for the final time. Um, he looks just like he's in good spirits, he's in a good headspace, and his form's pretty good as well. Yeah, and he just looks like he's keeping a lid on it, doesn't he? It's, it's, it's a bit like it's two weeks out from the Premiership and uh, he's hot favourite, but he's just keeping a lid on it. I mean... Um, what I like to see there from his uh, from his interview with JT is that he just he's not really giving much away, is he? So his counterparts inter internally in the team they'll know how he's going, but his counterparts probably still don't have an idea of how he's going. And all the talk in the background is, you know, it's hard for the best to win two Grand Tours in a year. Well, maybe by the end of the Vuelta, we then class him as one of the best. His victory mm. in the Giro d'Italia was scintillating. And you know what? If he doesn't go high on GC, he'll definitely animate. And that's what we love about Jai Hindley. And I think um, carrying on from the Giro d'Italia, which we saw such great camaraderie in the Bora-Hansgrohe outfit, they're bound for some, some more success during this tour. Bouncing back what you just said, let's add, let's say he wins the he wins the Vuelta, okay? Two Grand Tours in a, in the same year. Is he the greatest Australian cyclist ever above Cat Evans, or the Tour de France still the pinnacle, Maca? Be careful. Tour, tour de France that. is still the pinnacle, <laughs> um, but I tell you what, he's he's firming as a favourite to take over the mantle if he wins. If he wins the Vuelta. Um, I mean, gee, we're skipping ahead of ourselves, aren't we? But yeah, why but not, why not dream podcast, a little no? bit? He, he was so measured at the Giro. That's, I sort of wanted to say off the back of what you said, Pat. He was so measured in his victory and the team was and he showed such sort of maturity because he waited till that final day to sort of put the nail in the coffin to Catapaz. So imagine just how sort of mature and what he's even learnt from himself from that victory at the Giro. So, you know, I think we've we, we got to stop talking about this because there's so many hilly days to come. Anything can happen. Yeah. But, uh, look, it's just exciting, isn't it, that we've got all a guy right, as right. good as Jai Hindley. And let's not forget Ben O'Connor as well. You know, we've got yeah. two guys here that legitimately can win this race. Absolutely. And you know what? Let's listen to uh, Ben O'Connor. That was uh, just before the start of the, of the last stage in the Netherlands. Uh, just because, you know, because we can. Why not? Yeah. So you're looking forward to getting down to Spain where the bike race will start? Yeah, I mean the bike race will truly start from there for me, so I'll be a lot more a lot more excited. Today's a lot more about uh, just staying concentrated and relaxed. <laughs> Alright mate, good luck over the next few days mate. Cheers, thanks. Uh, nice and short here from, uh, from Ben O'Connor, but he says the essential. Uh, Pat, three days in the Netherlands, but now we are in Spain. All these guys, those GC guys, they've been expecting this. They've been, they've been waiting for this. It's now crunch time for them. And he includes Ben O'Connor. Well, yes, certainly. I think, uh, unfortunately, the Tour de France didn't really offer what Ben O'Connor was searching for. And I know him really well. But he's sort of untested a little bit in the Vuelta. So it's hard to know how he'll grow throughout the Tour. Um, I think also in reflection without going in reverse, but with a Jai, he'd already 
second in the Giro the year previous. So the pressure sort of wasn't there. Ben O'Connor, he clearly has the ability. There's no questions about that. We're not questioning that. And I think in the same regard to Jai, if he doesn't go up there on the general classification, he will animate. And I think I can potentially see him winning a stage at minimum. Yeah, that, w- yeah, that, would, be, um, that would be great, actually. And Maka, would they be happy, both of them, with a stage win? Uh, they will, but they want more than that. You know, I think you, you can sort of feel it in, in the way Ben is talking. He He's really thinking long-term. He's already said that, obviously. We know that as well. And Jai as well, you know, they've got they've both got Grand Tour stage wins. So they'll be happy with one, but they want a bit more than that. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Okay, let's look ahead of the, the stage that is coming up tonight on, on SBS. Uh, this is the profile, Maka. Uh, Kino said something that was really pleasing uh, to my ears, at least. You know what he said. You know what he said. He said that this profile has got one name on it, Julien Alaphilippe. Oh, yeah. I, I certainly won't argue with that. I, look, I think there'll be a few other names that'll want to have something to say no, about no, one that. Name. One name. <laughs> yeah, only one name, yeah. Uh, but look, what it's got, let's just talk. If you can just show that, that graphic once again, you see the last little bit there. It's 152 kilometres. That last climb, it's only a Category 3, but it's 7 kilometres in length. 5% average doesn't sound like much, does it? But the first three kilometres is almost at 12%. And when <laughs> they get over the top, downhill to the finish, and then the, you saw that last little kick to the finish, uh, there's about a kilometre that drags up to the finish line. So it is a, it's certainly not a day for the sprinters. It's a day for potentially a breakaway to survive if Yumbo Vismar are happy to let the jersey go. And if not... Julian Alaphilippe, or what about Grandpa, Grandpa Valverde? Can he get the job done? <laughs> well, and another name to be looking at, I reckon, is Simon Yates because um, it, it is a stage that looks good to him. I think on paper we look at Julian Alaphilippe, but we really don't know where he's back at. And after that horrific crash, um, it's a big ask for him to be on the start line as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. I saw him during the last two stages and he's looked very fluid, looks comfortable. But, I mean, Julian Alaphilippe always presents well. He's a bit like Alejandro Valverde or Grandpa Valverde, as you're alluding to, Dave. Um, I, I think Yatesy can be thrown in there as well. And I think the other thing too, as we've seen the years, is in the world to surprise packets pop up. Maybe someone else can um, come from nowhere and it wouldn't be a surprise to see someone new poke their head, uh, especially in the first week. It's a very good analysis, Pat, and there's uh, no uh, reason why there would not be a surprise popping up here at the Vuelta, as well as so much uh, at stake. Okay, let's talk about what you've been up to uh, as well, uh, Pat, because that's uh, very interesting and that's one of the reasons why we got you here, uh, aside of your uh, great analysis on, on the race. What's been going on for you? You've fallen onto uh, the, the informed team that has fallen off, but you came up with a new venture, with a new idea. Talk to us about it. Well, essentially, in um, desperate times here for domestic cycling, I've just um, I, I launched a, a prospect to the people, the people of the Couch Peloton as well, to see if we could fund a cycling team for these young ladies that um, are going to miss out on opportunities not only opportunities in uh, 2023, but potentially ongoing, potentially uh, pull some careers to the side that we never see fruition of. So uh, highly motivated, Christoph, to to really make this work. And so far, we've had so much great response. Um, I want to thank the support from everyone so far because it's just been overwhelming. I mean, 
not only from you guys in the media, not only from um, the professional cyclists, and, and I am really pleased to see Amanda Spratt, uh, Grace Brown, and also, of course, Chloe Hosking, who was our first, nearly our first donation on our GoFundMe page, but also Luke Blapp, who's been very um, generous in giving us uh, donations to give away. And we've got heaps of people offering donations, so uh, giveaways, should I say, prizes. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye out on our GoFundMe page. But I um, also want to um, thank my team in the background who uh, still want anonymity at this stage, but we will look to... Um, uh, announce those people in the coming weeks as more of the corporate side of the team takes shape. Um, we're excited to say that our equipment has been provided. We're good to go. January 1, bikes and uh, all of the componentry. Uh, we're currently in talks to discuss a clothing deal as well, and then we can move on to uh, naming the team. There will be a um, place on the jersey for our GoFundMe um, uh, donations. So, uh, we also look to look forward to announcing a couple of um, niche ideas over summer too, guys. So um, there'll be the opportunity to ride in team cars and other exciting opportunities as well. So we really want to make this, I guess, in the early days of, of Mitchelton um, and, and Bike Exchange and Green Edge in its real early days. It really felt like it was an Australian team that had, you know, real true Aussie grit and Aussie um, investment. And I really want to get back to that. I want these um, riders to know that people sitting on the couch watching at home are hoping that one day they'll be looking at the riders that are in our inaugural squad in the Giro de Donna or the Tour de Femmes um, or the World Championships, Olympic Games and Cobalt Games. So we're not doing this um, just to beat around the bush. We're doing this to help our most um, important prospects for the future of Australian cycling. So just a, a question, Pat. Um, obviously, you've you've been ramping up the GoFundMe, but you mentioned, you know, that there's this potential corporate element on the side. So on a percentage, uh, will you be? how much will you be good to go? Or how confident are you that you'll be good to go January 1? Um, I don't want to sound too optimistic, uh, Dave, because I'm sure there'll be plenty of snipers out there to knock me down if it doesn't happen. But I'd say at this point we sit at 95%. We've created discussions with riders and we're really optimistic about getting started. The, the, we will be getting started 100%, but to get, started at the le- to get started at the level we want to, I'd say as we sit today, we're 95%, and we just um, we really need all the contributions we can get from um, everyone as far as the donations are concerned. But the donations are also a buy-in from people to be part of our team for the longevity, for the history of the team. And this isn't a team we want to have for 12 months. This is a team we want to have for decades. And you know, who knows where the team can reach at its heights? But certainly, we're not looking to do some um, one one nighter. Um, down the hotel, we're here for the long haul. Good stuff. And, and, that sounds good, Pat. Ninety-five percent sounds pretty good to me. And Maka, you, you know too well as well how hard it is to to run a team. So you must appreciate as well how hard it is to start a team. You've done this before as well. And even though times have changed, the rules have changed. Maybe the business game hasn't changed. It's tough. It's yeah, tough. yeah. No, very true. I mean, my wife Susan and I started. You know, we we started one of the very first sort of publicly funded squads. GoFundMe and the internet. A lot of that didn't exist. That that does exist now. So. But no, it, it does take a lot of hard work and Pat, you're the man to do it and you know you need people with passion like Pat and, yeah. and I'm sure you've got plenty of good people around you 
uh, and we'll be we'll be um, you know we'll be doing the odd uh, cheeky plug as much as we can because it is it's it's Why important cheeky? you know I joke but it's it is important as you know and you know it's, well, it's a really well, important time in women's cycling and so we need to try and get another women's team off the ground. Well, if I may just say that the scary part for me, guys, is that um, our riders 16, 17 and 18, potentially um, most of the squad that goes to the Junior Worlds this year who are incredibly talented, I can see that if uh, we don't create more opportunities, we could lose up to 80% of those riders. And I think then who does the 10, 11 and 12-year-old uh, young ladies coming into cycling, who have they got to look up to? And, um, you know, I think the biggest reason that we are in the position we are as a nation in women's cycling is thanks to uh, the Gracie Alvins, the Amanda Spratts, the Rachel Nalens, although she still is in the peloton too, just carrying the flag year after year. These are the riders that we look back to, the Tiffany Cromwells. And now we've got the next lot of Grace Browns and, um, and and even go further, we've got Georgie Baker that won the gold medal at the Commonwealth Games. But who will these 10 and 11 and 12-year-olds have to look yeah. up to? And that's my scary part. Then mm. do we have a 100% drop-off? Is, is, is cycling too much of a niche sport? Is it too hard financially to, to push the envelope? That would be devastating to me because the sport of cycling, Dave, you're aware of it. It's offered us great privileges and royalties along the way, experiences. We speak multiple languages. All of those things go hand in hand with what the sport does for us. And I want those opportunities for these young ladies as well. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, at this point, I'd like to, to play a comment from, uh, from Luke Durbridge. Uh, it doesn't relate to this story, but he explains how Australian cycling on the men's side and the women's side actually developed and why it's important uh, to, to follow this through and why it's important that the successes we've got today, you know, the Jai Hinley and all the successes that we have, where it comes from. So let's listen to, to Luke Durbridge and we can uh, debate about this. Yeah, well, I think it's, it was something that was always coming. Um, if from from pretty much when I first turned professional, even the years beforehand, the uh, even Jerry was investing back then as well in the under twenty three program, and uh, that under twenty three program now is really seeing the fruits of the work that that the commitment of uh, of that program. Um, we pretty I would say name all the guys are actually performing now as Australians as older twenty five to thirty year olds now. We're all in those under twenty three development programs that Australia put forward. Um, and it just takes time, you know, it's, uh, if you think, you know, 2010, uh, you know, Rowan Dennis and Michael Matthews went to Geelong world championships and now, you know, in 2022, 12 years later, we're still seeing them winning, you know, Commonwealth games, gold medals and tour de France stages. And so you really can't say that this program now in 12 years time, that guy's going to win the tour de France, but without that program, that guy will never win the tour de France. So I think that's sort of we're seeing now all the hard work that we did sort of 10 years ago. Um, and that's why I think it's important going forward now is that these development programs really need to be supported. And there is some good ones in Australia. And it's very hard to go straight away and go, how, you know, how long will this take for me to get an Olympic champion? Well, you don't know. It could be 20 years before this guy becomes an Olympic champion. But if you never give him the opportunity, you never will. So I think Australian cycling is in a good place. We're in really nice uh, purple patch at the moment, and um, I'm hoping that the people back in Australia are working hard with the development programs, and they can uh, keep producing sort of the, you know, convention line for everyone to come through. Perfect. Did you uh, did you um, slip in the fifty pat because uh, he's <laughs> he's talking to you there, and you're already doing it. 
He, um, to be honest, he just put it so perfectly, didn't he? And he had all of the facts. And it is true. I mean, mate, I wasn't in part of the development programs when I came through. I was on that the cusp I was like sixth or seventh rider on the outside I went the different journey but we look at the Jai Hindleys we look at the Michael Storers we look at the Robert Stannards we look at the Luke Durridge man I can reel them off all day long but then on the other side too maybe not as uh, heavily supported and I will say that and stand by it the women's program did a similar thing although not as well supported. And that's why it's so much even more impressive of how many females are at the top of the sport. We can triple those females. I, I seriously yeah. believe that. We, yeah, can have 30, we can have 30 World Tour women, Australian women racing in five to six years' time. We can be the Dutch of the peloton. There is no doubt, I believe it. But we do need the help. And that's not just the team that I'm trying to push forward. This is across the board, and I support all the programs um, in Australia as well, and the riders that are willing to go at it alone overseas. There's more female cyclists going at it alone overseas at the moment than there is male cyclists trying to make it happen. That already says the characters, the quality and the commitment and the sacrifice is there. So, mate, I'm happy to put myself in the way and be the face of it to take a bit of the... The, the hardship on the front of the face to protect them as riders to give them the opportunity because they will they will allow us to have television worth watching in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you know how much uh, we back up uh, uh, every kind of cycling on SBS. So uh, you've got our full backup, uh, Pat, and I'm sure uh, you can count on us as well and count on, on our viewers here, uh, people from the Catch Peloton, to, to help you there because it'll be such a pleasure to uh, actually see you in a, in a, at the national championship, you know, lining up uh, part of your team or some of your team and, uh, and just, you know, give a good handshake and a, and a job well done. So uh, congratulations on, on actually starting this initiative, Pat, and uh, all the best for, for the rest. Yeah, thanks. And I tell you guys, it'll be like the cork popping out of the champagne bottle as we put in the numbers on the jerseys for the first time because, um, and as I said, in a couple of weeks' time when we get to announce the other people involved, it will be huge and everyone will be so thankful for uh, this group of people that have come together for a common cause. So keep us, keep us uh, posted, uh, Pat. Uh, one last thing I want to, uh, to talk about in this podcast today, uh, go back to, the, to, the, to Spain and to the, the Vuelta. It's the weather. And I'm not bragging. This is not for bragging. This is for saying it's getting really hot in Spain. How, Maca, do the rider uh, get used to cooler weather in, uh, in the Netherlands, riding, getting the body, you know, the wheels, uh, sorry, the legs turning and so on in a cooler weather? and then they go back to this. How do they adapt to this? Well, that's why they're professional cyclists. Um, you have to adapt. Look, they've had, they've had a, most of the season now to adapt. They would have raced some of them in the UAE at the start of the year. Uh, probably not too many in Australia, did they? But look, that's their job. They have to adapt. So it's been a super hot summer, as we know, in Europe, the hottest on record ever um, since records began. So we know it's hot. The riders have had to deal with it already. Um, so they'll adapt, but, and they've all got to put up with it. They're all racing under the same sun, aren't they? They're all racing on the same roads, but there will be some riders that handle it better than others. And historically, right, some riders enjoy the warm weather, some riders enjoy the cold weather. So we're about to find out, maybe not so much up north around in the Basque where they are now, um, but certainly when they head south down into uh, the Sierra Nevada and around uh, Granada, those areas, we're looking at potentially 40 degree days there so that's going to really test them 
I'm just going to play some footage here about uh, the region of Alicante. There's been massive fires as well. Uh, that's uh, right above Olivia, a place you know uh, very well, uh, Maca. Uh, there's been so massive fires for four or five days. They're not going to go through this climb, but they're going to go through this climate. Uh, that's give you an example of how hot it is here and how precocious the, 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 the conditions are. And, and Maka, you know that weather very well. Uh, is there a little bit of apprehension, do you think, Pat, on, on going in an area where there's potentially you know, big bushfires? Oh, I don't think so. I think we've seen the professionalism of ASL and if there's any danger to the athletes, they will. You know, they've shortened stages on the fly in the Tour de France at times. So I'm not too worried about that, but I wonder uh, from a team's perspective whether just some of the team's tactics might be backed off a little bit early on in week one, the end of week one, so as we first start in Spain, and maybe the start of week two, just to keep the powder dry a bit longer. And maybe uh, Richard Carapaz may have learned something from the Giro in that regard. And um, that's probably the one, is, is who keeps the powder dry the longest. Uh, Jai was able to do it in the Giro d'Italia. Who can do it at the Vuelta España? It doesn't matter how well you cope with the heat if you do go too deep too early. And um, so it's going to be an interesting how it plays out. But as an athlete, there's two things. The fitter you are, the better you handle the conditions. doesn't matter how extreme they are, you'll handle them better. And the earlier you start preparing, the better. And we saw the ice vests out in the, um, the Netherlands already, regardless of the temperature. So yeah. they already have been doing the big groundwork before the heat comes. And all it is about is just trying to stop that effect as long as possible because uh, once it kicks in, you don't recool the body down. It's all too late. Yeah, I would agree. I've listened to uh, Lucas Hamilton on uh, what he expects from the weather in Spain. The Volta Espana is always hot and you sort of expected it. Um, I think this year we were actually, for myself and a few other guys who were here, we did the Giro and it was actually abnormally really hot for, for the Giro. Every day was 25 degrees plus. So to be honest, I sort of came out of that with quite a good heat adaption, but the whole of Europe, in June, July, especially this year has been really hot anyway. So I think um, training in that for the last couple of months, you know, you sort of, you should be somewhat prepared. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think there is an element here that we start here in the Netherlands. It may not be as hot. It could be, but it, it may not be as hot. And then we go to the Basque country, which is also could go one way or the other. Um, so we may not get to the real heat until, you know, when we go down Alicante. So It'll be interesting, but I think um, everyone comes to the Volta expecting the heat. So you've all done the best you can in training to sort of, uh, you know, make sure you're adapted. So we shouldn't be worried about the heat, Micah. <laughs> well, well, you just like like he said, they've all, they've all you know they've done the training and they know what they're in for, and you've got to adapt. Yeah. And look, a few years ago, I think the first Volta that I actually worked on the ground, uh, it started right down south. We had four days of forty degrees which kicked off so it's not it, it won't be abnormal that they get 40 degrees down south that's quite a normal situation in summer down there yep. this is the ranking and this is how we will start this week uh, Affini in red uh, by the way uh, we didn't debate it but uh, my prediction of women in red was that close that close you know they changed that jersey my cab uh, not to the right uh, person i predicted three dutch uh, the three dutch members in red in yumbo maybe i'm too uh, you know, no, no, I, I liked your theory. I liked your theory. But look, they've done well to hand it around, haven't they? And I th the big question now is, as I said before, will they be happy to hand it off Let to another go. team? 
Yeah. That would be that would be the big discussion for this week. Mm. Uh, it's all that uh, to play for, of course, on SBS and Maca. We are uh, live every day at uh, 7 p.m. Uh, on uh, the Zwift uh, podcast every day. And Pat, thank you for joining us today. And I hope we chat along the way this week, next week, and the next few months to, uh, to mm. tell your story and to have a very positive news on your uh, your uh, your venture. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the support and thanks for the support from the Couch Peloton. Thank you, Good and stuff. thanks everybody, uh, and then uh, we'll see you all uh, the same place, same time tomorrow for the next Zwift SBS podcast. Thanks for listening to the SBS Falter Espana podcast with Zwift. After five weeks on the road at the tour and no riding, I'm seriously playing some fitness catch-up with Walter Inspiration. To help with my motivation, I've set myself a target of finding a team and getting involved with the Zwift Racing League. Round one starts on the 13th of September and goes to the 18th of October. One race per week for six weeks. Whether you're just starting out on your fitness journey or like me getting back into things, or you're a six watts per kilo monster, you'll find a level of racing to suit. So if you're up for the fun cycling challenge, dive in and start riding with a free seven day trial at Zwift.com and find your ZRL team or register if you're all ready to go by Sunday the 11th of September. Hopefully I'll see you on the start line soon. Ride on.